No matter your skill at leading meetings, there are some occasions when hiring a facilitator is actually in your best interest. In this episode, we're going to go over some common scenarios and considerations to help you recognize when it's time to bring in a third-party facilitator. But not every facilitator is right for every meeting. So we're also going to give you some guidance around questions to consider when searching for the right person to lead your meeting. I'm your host, Lauren Green meeting coach and facilitation trainer, here to help you unsuck your meetings one episode at a time. I've helped hundreds of professionals and organizations through leading inclusive, engaging, and productive meetings. And now I'm offering this podcast to help you do the same. Think of this podcast as an ongoing workshop, where each time you tune in, you'll get a bite-sized nugget of knowledge you can apply right away. If you lead meetings or might someday, you're in the right place. Let's make your meetings work. Okay, meeting makers, there's going to come a time when you should not be the one leading the meeting. As much as I intend this podcast to enable anyone to be a facilitator, sometimes you are just too close to the material to be neutral enough to wear this hat. In the last episode, we talked about the role of the sponsor or the leader of the meeting. Usually, this is the person who makes the decision of whether to hire a facilitator to partner with them. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, be sure to go back and check it out, especially if you find yourself in a leadership role. In general, your average everyday or recurring meeting does not need a third-party facilitator, but simply someone to do the basic meeting practices that we've taught you in seasons one and two. However, There are some moments when having a third-party facilitator who is outside of your team or organization is really helpful. Annual retreats or team-building workshops benefit from having someone trained in specific team-building tools. For example, if you want to do the Myers-Briggs type indicator known as MBTI, it is highly recommended that you hire someone who is certified in that process. As with any personality assessment, and especially with MBTI, groups who try to use these tools on their own often misuse them and thereby turn them into tools for stereotyping rather than understanding. You may need a facilitator if the material that you are meeting about is of high importance or urgency to the organization. For example, determining how to best launch an organizational change usually requires strategic planning meetings. And in these strategic planning meetings, the impact across different stakeholders needs to be considered, as well as the best way to message that change over time. Similarly, strategic planning meetings that might take place on a biannual or annual basis at the leadership level are also opportunities to utilize a facilitator who is focused solely on the process of planning rather than the content of the organization's strategy. Every strategic planning meeting has different needs. So hiring a facilitator with the right expertise is important. Some facilitators are trained in agile methods, and others like us here at Meeting Makers are trained in visual strategy methods. One is not better than the other, but they have different strengths. So in your organization, if there is a specific toolkit that you use a lot, look for a facilitator who can offer that tool. You may also consider the complexity of the material you want to discuss. 
complex challenges that may impact many stakeholders could necessitate a facilitator trained in systems thinking methodologies. This type of tool can help people step back and look at the issue from multiple angles. It's often hard to do a systems thinking workshop internally because we all come in with our inherent bias, so having that third-party lens in your facilitator is a really good idea. Anytime that there is a concern that the person leading the meeting could hold a bias and steer participants in one direction or another might be a time to consider hiring an external facilitator. And it's also less work on that person because they can then participate in the way that they really want to. There are many types of biases that groups may find themselves in. A neutral third-party facilitator can help groups recognize and think beyond these stuck points. Many groups are over-reliant on their first solutions. Some groups are biased towards the status quo. Others might feel protective about choices that were made and invested in earlier on, sometimes called a sunk cost bias. Some groups and participants see what they want to see, often called confirmation bias. Other examples of bias that you might see are participants being overly sure of themselves, maybe focusing on certain events more than others, perhaps neglecting what could be relevant information, or even seeing patterns where none actually exist. If you want to read up on these types of biases, we recommend checking out some of the books linked in the description. If you're listening to this podcast before July 2024 and want to get your hands on an opportunity to learn from me, Lauren Green, live, you're in luck. We are hosting the second annual Meeting Makers Academy Workshop, Make Meetings Work, on Thursdays, July 11th to August 1st, 2024, from 12 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. We'll give you a hands-on opportunity to design a meeting, practice facilitating, and receive on-the-spot feedback to help you become more confident in your meeting skills and ability to lead inclusive, engaging, and productive conversations. You can sign up or learn more at www.makemeetings.work forward slash academy. Early bird signups end on May 30th and registration ends on July 10th. So act fast to get your spot today. There are many types of facilitators out there, but I like to say that there are two types that are most important to understand dynamic facilitators, and process facilitators. A dynamic facilitator is probably not going to have much more than a high-level agenda for the meeting that they're facilitating. Dynamic facilitators are highly intuitive to group needs and are able to pivot easily in the moment to the direction they perceive the group wants to go. A process facilitator, on the other hand, may have a detailed agenda that may look like an instruction guide or a lesson plan. Process facilitators typically aim to use a structured approach that builds on itself from one activity to the next. While both of these are important, you should hire a facilitator who's right for the job and for the group. If you know that you're having a strategic planning meeting with a limited amount of time and very specific desired outcomes, hiring a dynamic facilitator who might not be trained in strategic planning tools, would not be the way to go. I see it happen a lot, where groups don't want to hire a facilitator ever again because they had a bad experience. What is more likely is that they didn't hire the right facilitator for the job that they were asking them to do. If you don't ask the right questions, 
you might not get the right person. So what are the right questions? We're including our facilitator interview guide as part of our visual notes to help you determine if the facilitator you're speaking with is right for your meeting. Remember, we include free downloadable visual notes for every episode, and they are linked in the description. The most important question is one that you should actually ask yourself. When you're talking to the facilitator you're considering hiring, do you see yourself working well with this person? It does not have to be more complicated than did you feel a connection with this person or not? And if the answer is no, you probably should not hire them. It's very important that at a fundamental level, you feel good about the person's personality compatibility with their own, especially if you're going to be the one that will work with them the most. The next question to consider is, what tools or methods does this facilitator like to use? If you're going into a session with a lot of conflict, you may want to look at facilitators who are also coaches or trained in conflict mediation. If you're planning a specific type of strategic planning meeting, you would hope to hear that the facilitator has a go-to set of activities that they like to use for strategic planning. For the facilitators out there, I recommend growing a network of buddies who have skills that are different from yours, so even if you're not the right person to lead a certain meeting, you can partner with someone who is. There are lots of ways to find facilitators out there. If you're in the D.C. metro area like I am, we have a wonderful networking group called the Mid-Atlantic Facilitators Network, or MAFN, M-A-F-N, where anyone can reach out to find facilitators with specific skill sets. We're also going to link to the MAFN Find a Facilitator tool in the description. The next question that you want to ask the facilitator is how they like to approach projects. For example, some facilitators do not create agendas, and they like to have their clients create the agendas for them. If that is part of a facilitator's process and not something that you want to take on, they are probably not the right facilitator for you. If you want to be very hands-on in the process of designing the agenda in partnership with the facilitator, then it's important to watch out for facilitators who don't mention planning meetings as part of their process. It's in those planning meetings that you work through the options for the agendas together. On the other hand, if you're someone who wants to completely let go of the responsibility of the meeting overall, it's important not to hire a facilitator who requires that you attend a lot of planning meetings. As an FYI, most facilitators do not consider themselves event planners. If you want to hand off things like booking the venue or ordering food, be sure to ask the facilitator if this level of logistics and coordination is something that they include in their fees. In short, ask how they approach and plan for meetings and what's included in their fees. Something that's unique to my process, for example, is including writing the meeting invitation text as part of my fees and also hosting a retrospective after the meeting is completed. Because I know that one, the success of the meeting greatly depends on how well participants are communicated to in advance of the meeting, as well as the follow through afterwards. And that two, having a retrospective helps ensure the group can follow through on the outputs that they've generated. Also ask what the facilitator's standard deliverable is. If you know that you want a five-page written formal summary or things like meeting minutes or transcriptions of any flip charts, these are very specific deliverables that may need to be contracted up front. Another question you may want to ask is whether the facilitator works solo or as part of a team. 
This would be particularly important if you have a large group or a meeting where some participants are joining online as well as in the room. In other words, a hybrid meeting. Hybrid meetings require facilitators who may have access to a facilitative assistant or a tech host who can help run the technology, which could be an additional cost. Some facilitators prefer to work in teams, especially if the size of the group is over a certain number. My number is usually 20 to 25 people. With groups larger than that, I tend to want a second facilitator to ensure that the meeting runs smoothly. It's a good idea to ask the facilitator if they can share examples of other meetings that they've worked on that might be similar to your own, in particular, how successful that meeting was. One thing I get all the time is whether I have experience in the client's industry. That is actually not as important as it might seem. Remember that a facilitator is supposed to be neutral, and while familiarity with key industry terms is helpful, it's better that the facilitator is more educated in the right kinds of tools rather than be an industry expert. That would be more important if you were hiring a consultant. The question of asking about similar meetings they may have facilitated is more to grasp the facilitator's past performance with a similar type of meeting as a way of gauging what experience you'd like to create. If you're hiring a facilitator for the first time ever, be sure to also ask for a reference or two. While most facilitators don't have recorded sessions where you can see what they are like in the room, they should be able to provide someone you can email or call who can vouch for their presence. Finally, the obvious questions. Be sure to ask about costs and fees, and of course, their availability. Remember, meeting makers, you don't usually need an expert facilitator, but you should consider hiring one in situations like strategic planning, complex material, or when a lot of biases may prevent someone from leading the meeting in a neutral way. If you're just joining us for episode 10, you may have missed out on all of the tips and guides in this season, A Participant's Guide to Unsucking Your Meetings, where we took a deep dive into how participants can show up and make their meetings work across 10 episodes. We hope that you enjoyed season three as much as we enjoyed building it for you. Until next time, meeting makers, go make your meetings work. This podcast was written by Lauren Green and produced by Caitlin Murray. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few seconds to rate and review so future meeting makers can find our community. Download a visual summary of this episode in the description and be sure to join the conversation in our Meeting Makers Facebook group. You can find our next Meeting Makers Academy workshop on our website at www.makemeetings.work forward slash academy. Want help with your next meeting? Reach out at makemeetings.work forward slash contact and we'll set up time to chat.